uh, it did not keep gender records. I think it was a mistake, but they did not keep gender records. <clears throat> the but so you would have you would have joined in eighty nine. I think we I we were chartered in eighty eight. And then the so when you say chart like the Carbondale Rotary Club club specifically or that particular branch of the, the Rotary the, Club. The the Carbondale Rotary Club was was a hundred years old, so okay. it was it was chartered in nineteen twenty one. That club sponsored our club, and so we're a freestanding club. But that's how Rotary clubs start. They have to have a sponsor by another club, and so we uh, we were sponsored by the Rotary Club of Carbondale. We chose the name Rotary Club of Carbondale Breakfast, and uh, because we knew we wanted to to be an, an, have an alternative meeting as to the noon time. That was the kind of the whole point. Mm -hmm. Because they had, uh, they 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 meet on Wednesday noons. So we chose. We thought not. It was it was exciting to be in from the beginning, um, and there were a number of people that were um, uh, involved from uh, the noon club. But Sidney Matthews, uh, who who died last year, I believe, who was, had been a longtime Rotarian. Um, took us under his wing, and he met with us every every Tuesday morning. We started out at Shoney's, <laughs> uh, which was a, a perfect place because it uh, we had a room by ourselves, and you could go independently and get breakfast. Mm -hmm. Rotary clubs traditionally, in the at least in the United States, have been um, – somewhat expensive to belong to mm -hmm. because one of the ways they, they fundraise um, is that the, it's, uh, the meeting is always built around a meal mm -hmm. and then the, and the meals are, are catered or are pr provided by the, the, the venue, one of the two. Mm -hmm. And if someone has an unexcused absence, then they forfeit that 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 money for that meal. Um, so actually, the m more people miss, the more money the club made. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided um, that we wanted to be an, a, an affordable club, and we still are a very affordable club. Mm -hmm. um, and our dues are, I think, we just had to raise them because of national dues. But I think our dues are $55 a quarter. Um, and then there's no other. We encourage people to donate to the Rotary Foundation and other things. Um, but we're, we're a hands-on club. Mm -hmm. They kind of informally refer to clubs as, as um, checkbook clubs or, or, or you know, hands-on clubs. And we, we are a hands-on club. Um, not that we don't have people that are generous donors, but... Um, that's how that's how we raise our funds. We recently had a uh, good luck for good Sam fundraiser, mm -hmm. where we took um, we we, uh, we went to every uh, uh, what which dollar store Dollar Tree mm -hmm. in um, in the area. In fact, I even we took a trip north and and I even went to three in Champagne and we bought green. Hats like a leprechaun might wear, I know, like a bowl, <laughs> little bowler felt bowler hat, uh -huh. and we filled those with uh, um, some some goodies from uh, Bake Me Happy and 
Uh, we had coffee from Jen's Joe. We tried to we tried to hit local people. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, and tied them up with a pretty bow and whatever, and then delivered them to um, people. Made orders to have them delivered in you know in a in a reasonable area, and then we delivered them to people for St. Patrick's Day. It was a you know it was nice. People could give a gift and donate at the same time. And we actually, we, we, we raised probably twice what we thought we were able to um, donate $750 to Good Sam. Oh, I mean, and that's not a huge amount of money, but it, it'll buy him some something. Well, I mean, and, and that's, that's the key to any of this kind of nonprofit activity, right? Is it, every dollar counts. Right. There's there's seven hundred fifty dollars is not to be discounted in its value to good salmon, like what that provides for how many people over the course of a week or a month or what have you. I mean, that's you know, if you were to just say at five dollars a meal, how many meals that provides, I'm not gonna do math on camera like no, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, neither, neither would I <clears throat> true. So that's the kind of a thing and, and we were, you know, very challenged over the the, the pandemic quarantines, obviously. Um but, uh, and I, I'm not sure if I've gotten off track from where we wanted to no, be or not, but our fundraiser, um, our major fundraiser has been, although we weren't able to have it last year, is uh, the Great Carbondale Pumpkin Race. Mm -hmm. And then the city chose to, ha to bring back um, Carbondale Halloween, which was so exciting. And I just hope that, that the momentum isn't totally lost with, with that too. But with the pumpkin race, um, the uh, city allows us to uh, close down the Mill Street underpass block, mm -hmm. um, and people actually put two two axles through a, a real pumpkin, and uh, put then four however many wheels on that they they want to put on, mm -hmm. and you let go of your pumpkin at the top of the hill and you race other pumpkins to the bottom. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen one or not, but there the people are. Ex extremely clever as far as it comes to their uh, you know the way they decorate their pumpkins and you know people wear uh, and children wear um, uh, costumes because the uh, uh, because it's Halloween for one but because uh, the CCA Carmel Community Arts mm -hmm. in the past has sponsored a, a, a costume contest um, and so that encourages kids to dress up. So it's just, we were trying to have a really wholesome, fun, you know, family-oriented mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Halloween activity. I don't, I don't know how I landed, because a couple of years ago, whichever one that was like a soaking wet, rainy. That was too, we've had all kind of, that was two years ago, and we had beautiful weather, I think, the year before, and we had... <laughs> So much wind that I thought uh, Megan Cole from Main Street has been instrumental mm -hmm. in helping organize, which is what she does, but she does it so well. And, and I thought Megan was going to blow away. I mean, it, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty brutal, but, hey, the, you know, the, sh the show must go on. Well, and that, if there wasn't lightning, rainy, so we, we, ha we had it anyway. The, uh, the, the, rainy, the rainy one, I, I remember, because uh. I, I don't know 
how I got caught up in catching pumpkins at the at the bottom. Oh, good. That that day, but I was I, I had been out with the kids and we were all poorly dressed for the weather that was there. I was in my typical shorts and t-shirt regalia, oh, and I don't think they had coats and whatever else. And and or or decided to you know he was he was there and was able to provide us with some coats and whatever else, and we just hung out at the bottom of the of the run and were catching pumpkins for. <laughs> for that day so that's that's a memory that's kind of stuck in in my well, that's in, a very that's very important because um the pumpkins that win their heat then um if they're allowed to smash into even hay bales or whatever it could damage them yeah. so we we uh th that's a very important uh, responsibility <laughs> um the most fun part I'll, I'll, I'll i could talk forever on the on everything but i could talk forever on the pumpkin race we have had um, the most fun with the pumpkin race, and the thing that I think uh, makes it real interesting and, and so much fun is that we actually quietly encourage cheater pumpkins. <laughs> and a cheater pumpkin is a pumpkin that might be on a platform mm -hmm. um, that where the, the uh, axles do not go through, actually go through the pumpkin itself, mm -hmm. that it's just sitting on something. Um, or it could be a um, squash painted, um, <laughs> or a watermelon painted, or or something that's not a, a pumpkin. Mm -hmm. And people have been. Or the other thing is casters. You cannot have a caster type wheel. It has to be a wheel with a that the axle goes through the center. Uh -huh. So those are our cheater pumpkins, and. We encourage cheater pumpkins because in the past, and I'm so hoping that we'll have a, uh, that, that this time that she'll be an Olympic champion, um, <laughs> we've had Deanna Price mm -hmm. wield our uh, mallet of justice. <laughs> and uh, justice. Randy Osborne, you may know, oh, yeah. is one of our members. He took a piece of an oak tree and made a mallet out of it. And it's very heavy, and she wields it so well. And if she wields it just right, um, she's sort of like Gallagher, and it goes, it goes everywhere. Um, <laughs> that's a reference that probably four people will get. Oh no, I, I think I think plenty. Of, I think Gallagher is a timeless skit that plenty of people still know. I think you're good on that. One. I think you're good on that. One. I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna anyway, jump into break in real quick because sure. uh, timeless is what we're looking for with the podcast, right? WTF Carbondale, uh -huh. where we interview interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back together to this little old place we call home. Uh, and somebody that has called this little old place Carbondale home for many years now is Marsha Sinnott for episode 57 uh, of the podcast. And thank you, Marsha, for, for taking the time and for working through uh, some of the lighter apprehensions to, <laughs> to, to the brand. I do appreciate that because this is important, right? I mean, you're, you're somebody who has been so active in so many things for so long in this town and, and, have, and have the stories that, that I'm that I'm hoping we can tell to folks that, you know, not just talking about uh, the Carbondale that has been, but really how the Carbondale that has been translates to the Carbondale that's now and, and future moving forward. And, um, you know, when I, when I reached out to Sarah, she made a post to the group about uh, something having to do with Rotor. I can't remember exactly what it was. I thought, oh, good opportunity. I'll ask Sarah if she's got any suggestions for, for guests that are Rotary tied. Mm -hmm. And um, you drew the short straw on this one. <laughs> And, um, and you're referring to Sarah Kronlein, who is our president this year. She's she's outgoing. She has done, I want to say, a remarkable job. Who knows how to do things when you're quarantined? You can't see any people. Um, and I think a 
probably across the country people have stepped up, but our, our club has actually grown in membership, which is remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're a stronger club at this end of the pandemic than we were coming into it. And I, Sarah gets a lot of credit for just hanging in there. That's good. That's good. I mean, and it's been like that for so many organizations in sure. Carbondale. I mean, you're you're in here now, kind of seeing what we've done with uh, with this space to to yeah. be able to stay relevant. Because if we had not produced anything out of the varsity, uh, you know, it it would have struggled to start back up whenever things got regular. So how do you stay in front of people? Same idea with keeping the Rotary uh, Club going through digital meets and keeping people engaged because it's not necessarily about are you doing exactly what you were doing before the pandemic, but are you doing something that is relevant to your organization's mission? Um, are there are there things, what, what are some of the things that you've done where you've still been able to meet the mission during the pandemic? I know you were just out picking up trash this yeah. morning, <laughs> which is a good socially distanced activity. Right, it, it is. Uh, actually, we do have an obligation or that's probably the wrong word, but to um, uh, keep Carbondale beautiful, where we have uh, we we pick up uh, trash and whatever on Main Street. Um, we have to do it a minimum of once a month, and that's about what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, and we pick up trash from Wall Street to the tracks, and we include the parks, Veterans Park, um, which is beautifully landscaped right now. If anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, cares to go see it. It's, it looks very nice right now. Green Ridge and then, Landscaping um, has been out there doing huh? a lot. Of, oh, sorry. Uh, so, uh, Green, Ridge Ran Green Ridge Landscaping has been Is out that, there doing a lot of work in the past week. I've seen them as I drive by It's work. beautifully mulched. I'm a fan of mulch. It covers a multitude of sins. So. <laughs> <laughs> like big, big, big tops. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, and so uh, we've been able to do that all, all year long. I mean, the weather interferes once in a while, but you know, with a mask and being outside. We have kept up with that. And then we couldn't have, uh, we actually did our beautiful Southern Ride this year, mm -hmm. which is a, not a race, but a bike ride through, we have uh, th three distances. One's very, the, the middle one is actually very challenging because it takes you out to the wine country. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, so we were able to hold that. I think we probably pretty well bro broke even on that, but we because we didn't have that many participants. Mm -hmm. But we want we wanted to keep that momentum going, um, uh, and then uh, I'm trying to think what our we we weren't able to, the pumpkin race. We are able to donate um, someplace between uh, five and seven or eight thousand a, a year from that net. Mm -hmm. So. That, that was a huge, huge loss to try to make up. And we did have, um, what do we call it? Dinners for Dictionaries, because mm -hmm. one of the things that we do, and I was uh, pleased, but just really shocked that this, this is still so popular. We provide uh, children or special dictionaries for paperback, a fairly small dictionaries to all the third graders in in our area, hmm. uh, and I thought this is kind of stupid, really, because what kids? I mean, they don't even care about books. <laughs> third graders like dictionary. Let me learn all the words today. Exactly. <laughs> well, or you know, I mean, it's not you know, it's not electronic. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to tell you that I've been several times when we've presented them. The kids are thrilled with mm -hmm. them. Some kids, I think it's the first book they've had that it was their own book. 
Um, they put their, we have a, 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 a plate in the front of it, a, a place where it says where the Rotary donated it, but they can write their names. Mm -hmm. And then we show them, you know, kind of how to look up words and there's sign language and so they're doing a little sign language mm -hmm. they're thrilled with them and in fact sarah cronline said that her, whose kids one's graduated from college and one's maybe in the middle of college they still have their dictionary yeah so who knows it's it's important i mean i've got my my kids are all uh are all 10 and 11 right now they're um my, my biological son and my, my step kids and they're they're all very well tied to this idea of a physical copy of something because yeah. it's almost like a treat, right? To have a physical copy of something in a world where everything else is a screen. So uh, while, you know, it, while it, you may think, Oh, well this, you know, is this keeping up with the times? Is there a yeah. different way that we could deliver to it? It's like, really there's, there's something special about that. You know, in, in some instances when I, when I refer to, to art, the presence of the hand, uh, but in this case, the the physical copy of something I think really means something to the kids. So I think you guys are onto something. It does. Well, we had um, we thought that if we had uh, a dinner, actually, uh, William Lowe is a very special person, and mm -hmm. I went to him and said, you know, who who would be good at furnishing, you know, um, packaged meals, mm -hmm. and um, and who donates to what does help me with this? The Cristados helps with oh, uh, the, the Southern Illinois Collaborative Kitchen. Exactly. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with the, with a collaborative kitchen, and he mentioned a couple, and we had the best response from uh, uh, Saint Nicholas Brew House in uh, in um, DeCoin, mm -hmm. and so we thought, well, maybe some people from Carbondale area don't actually make that trip particularly during the pandemic and mm -hmm. whatever, that might be a real special meal. So we had St. Nicholas furnish the meals. We did most everything by, uh, well, you had to, by social media. <laughs> um, and uh, we were able to raise more than enough money um, to buy the dictionaries. Now, it turns out that because school wasn't meeting in person, that what we were choosing to do this is we held on to the dictionaries, and then um, in the next school year, we'll present dictionaries to third and fourth graders. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that'll work real well. We felt like we didn't want to just like leave them in a box at a school. We want to go in and present them to them, mm -hmm. and you know, make a little bit of a deal to it. And that way, I mean, because all the kids weren't weren't attending in person, mm -hmm. so. Hopefully, 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 by C fall they will be. C ceremony, you know, really, you, that's that's where young folks like this derive importance from, is when you present them with, you know, it's not just here's an item, it's here's all of the circumstance around the item and why it's important. And now they've got a memory to go along with the physical item. And they, like you said, carry it around with them until they graduate college and understand just how important this little pocket dictionary was. <laughs> Apparently, it, it was. A, I was. I was pleased. It's actually a, a national uh, Rotary project, so we just kind of latched on. One of our members um, thought it was a real important project. We've done it for a number of years. Like you know, one loses track. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that 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 really sticks out in your mind over 
the years with the breakfast rotary that that like has been the the longer standing activity or some of the more successful things that you just go wow i really like this i know you were talking about the pumpkin race but how, that's been about seven we've been on that seven years okay. right um you know the the thing I the the, the best thing about Rotary, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, over over all the years, is just the relationships. Mm -hmm. So many of the people uh, have become, you know, my, just closest friends mm -hmm. that I would never never have met. Um, and I don't know if any of your viewers are, are probably younger people, but Blanche Sloan was one who was just the consummate uh, Rotarian. I would have never met. I, I don't think our paths would have ever crossed. Mm -hmm. So it's the relationships and um, the bigger view. I think the thing that I was most impressed with and one reason I, I joined was because uh, Rotary International had a just launched right before we became a club uh, what they call polio plus mm -hmm. and their their goal was to eradicate polio worldwide well you know um even uh nigeria became uh polio free they have to be polio three i think three f years in in succession um and i think there's just a couple of of na nations in the, the middle east mm -hmm. i believe there's just two countries maybe in the whole world yeah that have polio now. And I, I mean that that's that that's pretty impressive. Well, and, and I was gonna say I the the what bit of time I've I've spent uh, kind of guesting at, at some rotary activity that you know really there it's down to the the very select country. I mean we're we're talking very rural Afghanistan where uh, you know there's there's limited information on on why vaccines are are safe for use and why this is okay and. You know, they, I, I remember one one meeting, just the discussion being uh, about how the cost to achieve the the vaccinations goes up exponentially as you have fewer and fewer people I to reach and true. vaccinate. I hadn't so, thought about that. <laughs> I'm sure uh, that I'm sure that's true. There's, I mean, look, look at the, the. I don't want to get into controversial territory, but look at the the issues with people in our own country about yeah. a, a vaccine, let alone people who are, you know, are totally, you know, they're, they live in tribes. Yeah. Um, why would they, you know, Trust I, I, I find in it with a UN aid package or something yeah. like that, because it's, it's, you know, it, in that environment that the a UN care package or, or, you know, a vaccinator comes in, that is a, that is a foreign entity to their society sure it as it sits. And there is no trust between uh, them and, and these organizations. And it's like, well, it just, it takes time to, to garner notoriety in these very small societal circles that exist in very difficult to access True. places. So no, that's, that's a, it's a very reasonable thing to, for folks think, to understand. Right. Right. But, but it's just amazing that so they actually have accomplished it because I grew up, uh, I can remember being quarantined because of polio back in the, um, it was probably in the late 40s, maybe in the early 50s, and literally sitting on the um, on the curbing on one side of the street and my neighbor kids sitting on the other side of the street mm -hmm. and we just called back and forth. Movie theaters were closed. Um, people didn't wear masks. I don't remember any masking, but we just, everything, you know, every everything just shut down. And then... Um, 
iron lungs. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I certainly people have seen pictures of people gasping for breath in these horrible big, these, these horrible yeah. big, big iron lungs. And then, you know, kids that, that were out of school for a while and then came home back to school and they, they limped or, you know, it was just, um, it was extremely scary. And to know that that's been, uh, uh, that's no longer an issue many places. Uh, and, and it's, you know, really globally. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about there. I didn't realize that the, that the polio, um, that the polio initiative with Rotary was so young. I thought it was a, was nearly as old as the Carbondale Rotary Club itself um, in terms of, uh, you know, yeah. how, how long the entire global Rotary activity had been focused on polio, but it's only been about 30 years then. Right. Um, and the, I tell you, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has, uh, they have a they have a, a dollar for dollar match I think for dollars that 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 Rotary raises they've that's probably been it's been more recent but it's certainly you know when you can double your money yeah yeah off of off of the back of somebody who's got it exactly <laughs> the uh, well that's that's uh, I think that's a good place to kind of make the transition from. Uh, from the Rotary conversation to the Marsha conversation, we'll intertwine some. <laughs> I look, Whoa, not the Marsha. Whoa, now. <laughs> um, but how? So how? How did you and did you and Jim were were you already together when you guys came to? Yes, we've been together forever. <laughs> <laughs> what What brought you guys to Carbondale? Well, what brings everybody to Carbondale? SIU. Did. Did was it was it school or was it work at the time? No, it was it it was we we came down here for for school. Um, to be real honest, the in, admissions were um, actually they did not have any. They, 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 SIU at the pro time, and I hope I can remember the name of the program. Um, Jim was an unclassified student as a you know a young father and whatever. Mm -hmm. He hadn't kept his grades where they needed to be, and so. Uh, uh, SIU uh, offered an opportunity for him to come to school and they had what I think was a wonderful program that if you had taken a class and hadn't done well in it you could take it you could take it an, until I mean you could take it 10 times mm -hmm. and if you got an A that last time you took it that's what stood on your transcript huh and it seems to me that, I mean, if somebody's willing to pay tuition to mm -hmm. take a class 10 times and finally masters the subject, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't find a, I don't find problem with that. Which class did he take 10 times that he had well, to he know? Didn't, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to take any 10 times, but he retook classes he'd had um, at another college is what he what he actually did poor guy he's not even here to defend himself <laughs> maybe maybe a couple episodes from now we'll have him on he can come oh, in with the sword and refute and shield it say. exactly exactly <laughs> um but anyway that's that's exactly why we came and i can tell you when we came and we came in town to find an apartment um had a, a, a baby at the time and i can remember sitting in what was the hub cafe which is now um high taste mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was not landscaped over across the street it was just <laughs> kind of dismal mm -hmm. and I can remember you know uh, being very young and not having a lot of experiences away from home that I thought I'd come to the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it just seemed like so far away from home mm -hmm. and 
it was uh, the winter time, and it was not it, it it was it was interesting. And then all the streets, even back then, seemed to be one way, and mm -hmm. we were all <laughs> had a, had a terrible time finding our way around. And I'll tell you too, um, there were only two stop lights in town. Wow. Um, they were, all the rest of them were, snow, were, were, were stop signs. Phone numbers, you had a central and you had to ring central. And then, then as if, maybe I'm not right. Maybe they, but they just had, I think that's right. But they just had like three or four numbers in your phone number. Um, we didn't have a phone because we couldn't have, can you believe that? I bet the young people today cannot imagine life <laughs> What would I do phone. if I couldn't? <laughs> we, <laughs> we did not own a phone. We had to go to the neighbors or go to a pay, they had pay phones, you yeah. put your money in, check the slot to make sure nobody else had let money in, because <laughs> that was found money. Um, uh, but we did not have a telephone, so I'm, I think I'm remembering right, though. and most people had party lines, which was a whole mm -hmm. other you know, it, it was a whole other thing. But, um, and apartments, uh, that would have been 19, we came in the winter, uh, it was uh, quarters at the time. I love the quarter system. Mm -hmm. But we came at, at, in the winter time, and there was nothing to find here. We actually lived in Heron for a while, mm -hmm. and actually rented from Itchy Jones' grandparents, huh. although we didn't know it at the time. <laughs> It's a small world. It in is Illinois. a small world. <laughs> it is a small world. So we came. We came to go to school and 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 did that. And then, it, did was it was it kind of an immediate turn into business for for your family? I, Not really. We um, when when I think Jim graduated in in sixty three. We had our second son in sixty two, mm -hmm. um, and had uh then we we he graduated in 63 and because we were from champagne and that was home and mm -hmm. his his family's there and my family's there uh we packed up and as we're packing up our little meager belongings uh in an apartment uh, on mill street where it was still brick and two two lanes wide mm -hmm. um we kind of looked at each other and said why are we leaving because champagne is a is a great place mm -hmm. but at least we felt like it took a lot more money to live in Champaign. Mm -hmm. Down here, we had two boys. I mean, you had, uh, look at the outdoors. Yeah. You know, we had, there was so much down here for us. Jim is an avid um, hunter and fisherman. Um, so, <clears throat> so we went back and lived in Champaign until 67. And I'm going to need a drink. Yeah, yeah, please take your time. <coughs> take your time. Excuse me. It's a lot of talking. <laughs> well, and you know, it's I, a pandemic. That's, that's it. Your you vocals <laughs> are. Jim can only listen to so much. <laughs> uh, and like I said, this is what I love about a, about a guest like yourself, Marsha. You were like, "Oh, well, I'm I'm going to talk a lot," and I was like, "That's perfect." That's <laughs> because you you guide yourself in and through these stories. You start to remember things as you go along. Oh, it's terrible. You start to talk through the whole thing, and then we find these interesting points along the way that are just. Things that people need to know about. So, uh, sorry, 67. So, no, that's fine. So, in 67, he was he found um, a position as the, um, the, the manager of the SIU Credit Union. Mm -hmm. Now, at that time, the credit union had been moved out of the living room of a Dr. McDaniel, who was the, 
you know, one of the the primary movers in the credit union. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't remember what department he was in, but his his wife was a weaver. I can remember that Clarabelle. Mm-hmm. But so it was in a little building on the corner of Whitney and another street over. It's not there, not there anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, just south of the New Baptist Foundation place, sort okay. of in that neighborhood, maybe to the e- west of it a bit. Um, and it was in an old house, and it had less than a million dollars in assets. Mm-hmm. And back then, the banking industry was able to uh, keep credit unions down, and they they could not have they could not have checking. Hmm. So he stayed with that until he had the opportunity to buy the corner of Grand and, Grand and Wall. Mm-hmm. And that was a shell station at the time, and he ran that. And that was the same time that I decided to quit school teaching and um, uh, go into real estate, which, of course, then interest rates immediately went to 18%. That's a whole <laughs> nother story. And I will tell you something you might actually appreciate, uh-huh. and that is that I was president of the Carbondale Education Association, which is the District 95 teachers, mm-hmm. the only time they ever struck. Really? <laughs> so, yes, I was a spokesperson. We walked a picket line. Uh, I learned a lot of life lessons. They had a, a, a school board meeting. One of my fondest, scariest moments was they had a school board meeting, and lots of parents were there. And and most of the teachers were there. They were supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And my role was to stand up and make a statement to the school board, walk out, and the teachers would have walked out behind me. Mm-hmm. And they did. They did. <laughs> but I didn't know they were, you know. <laughs> one never, <laughs> never knows. <clears throat> so... Um, uh, it was it was a, a wonderful learning experience, I have to say. Yeah. There's a man named Don Strom who was on the radio at the time mm-hmm. that some people, some old-timers will remember, then became our police chief and was a mentor to people like Jeff Grubbs mm-hmm. and, um, and, 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 and Chief Reno. Yeah. So... That, that, that all happened, but Jim, then, then Jim started, went with the, uh, uh, the Shell Station, and at one point, uh, when he, I think he found that, if I remember right, he found that the, he had a repair shop, and it was getting to the point where just the shade tree mechanic couldn't cut it anymore without lots of expensive equipment. Yeah. So he, uh, he became a quick trip and was a was a uh, uh, convenience store for a long, long time. Lots of people. In fact, our younger son met his wife because of Quick Trip. <laughs> had uh, had the had the right customer at the right time. Well, she she was. People would come in in the morning and get their coffee and mm-hmm. whatever, and she did. And um, uh, anyway, now they've been married thirty five years. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how those little chance encounters happen. Exactly. That, I, I tell you what, the the eighteen percent interest rate on a home thing just rattles me to think of 
you know, what it would take to buy a home. I know. In this instance I know, now with... really. And people complain about 5% now. Mm-hmm. We we did dances when it came down to 12, and then it got to 10, <laughs> and then the single digits, and it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was, I was glad that it happened at the beginning of my career mm-hmm. because, you know, we learned to sink or swim. I left, a, a, you know, a position where... I was guaranteed, you know, a, a paycheck and whatever, although mm-hmm. it was very hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other story. But, um, uh, and then I took a, a 100% commission job. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know if people understand what that's like, but if you don't sell, you don't eat. Yeah. Luckily, I would never have done it had I been a, oh, a single mom or had I, you know, had I, you know, because we did have Jim's Jim's salary at the credit union, mm-hmm. but no. I mean, it's in especially in real estate. It's one of those things where, you know, it's you you, you probably don't make money once you first get into it because you have to build up a network. Exactly. People people have to want to give you their home to sell and want to come and have to want to come to you to help them find a home. But you know, I love I really loved it, and I still have my license. I still partner with Kimberly Hall, but I'm n- I'm not active in it. And I, uh, I use Rotary, and I still try to be active in the Chamber of Commerce to try to keep. Um, I really enjoy meeting new people, mm-hmm. and and uh, that's real important to me. This pandemic is just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just been so nice to get out. I went on. A, I went to uh, uh, South Dakota last weekend mm-hmm. with a foot, you know, to watch football, and oh my gosh. I feel like I've been reborn. <laughs> I have to say, I didn't realize. I knew I missed it, but I didn't realize how much. Well, and, and I've been I've been very lucky, right? For for me, there there are two aspects of it, the social aspect, but also the performance aspect. As a as a comedian and an MC uh-huh. and somebody who spends the time on stage, it just hasn't happened. So to no. be able to do these concerts and do these podcasts and other things, I'll, I'll tell you more about what William Lowe and I have, uh, have cooking up after, after we're off the podcast. Cause I don't want to let it. that one seep out too soon, but also he's, he's, uh, he's episode, I think 18 of the podcast. So I, I will gonna, definitely go back. <laughs> I'm going to go through and, and pull all of these, uh, that, that I know you're going to like now that we've kind of talked oh, and figured but... out some, I, I actually, so I, I've known William since, oh, I would have been 15, 16 and he would have been just a little bit older than me. And really? uh, I ended up working for them for four years and on and off through college. Oh, in the old location? Oh, the old location, absolutely. There, there was a, for a short amount of time, there was a place called Duckett's where the printing plant is now. It was an arcade place. Um, Vaguely. Vi- video games and, uh-huh. and what have you. And that's how he and I first kind of linked up and, and we would always eat at Nuka Hall and what have you. And then, um, yeah, and, and now it's funny. We look back on it. We're all in our mid-30s now. Mike Arthur, the, the shorter gentleman who would work the counter at Nukahala and was one of Will's classmates, we're now all kind of interconnected and trying to figure out our own businesses and, you know, what our things are up next. Uh, Will and I have a food truck that we own together that we're trying to sell because we never got it off the ground. There's just yeah. – it, there's so many things out there that until you talk about them, you don't, you don't know where these connections are. Um, and that's that, that kind of leads me into my, my next question for you is to who are some of the more interesting characters that you've met through your time uh, just living and networking in Carbondale that just are, are standout folks in, in your mind? You know, um, something I should have told you is that um, I don't think very well on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. And so my mind is so 
blank now. Um, I've met an, a lot of interesting people through uh, and make, made a, a, a lot of actually long-term friendships, uh, actually more through faculty than anything, uh -huh. and through um, uh, uh, Jerry Kill is probably uh, Coach Kill mm -hmm. is probably the the most outstanding and the the uh, person and the most most memorable of of all the people that that I've met. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, was such just who he is just such an honest straightforward um values relationships mm -hmm. uh, just has his head on so straight um mm -hmm. uh, family first um so uh, and just uh you know I, we, our whole family thinks he walks on water. So, <laughs> well, I mean, so he'd I would, probably I would be number one. Town, town, town wide. I mean, when, cause he's, he, where, where, do you know where he's at now? I don't. Uh huh. He's at, uh, TCU and he's helping with, with football there. And I think that I don't know. I'm not, you know, close to them. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I think that Rebecca still is at Lake of Egypt. Mm hmm. Well, to, uh, just to just to leave a lasting impact on a place like Coach Kill has, especially with something that that still bears his name with the Coach Kill Cancer Fund, exactly, to be exactly. a constantly revolving set of activity around something very personal to him, and in turn personal to the entire campus and and the region. And when you start tying it into things like SIH, you know, now becoming a, a Siteman Cancer Institute. Um, you know, affiliate and, and, or, or organization. I don't know how they would describe it. Eventually I'm trying to get Woody on the podcast, but I think I've got kind of the similar barriers to, uh, you know, some folks as, as I did here, <laughs> you know, uh, wanting, wanting to solicit your participation on the podcast. I got to get people to understand kind of what, what this is a little bit better. Um, and I, I think that's coming through well, but to, to have that staying power uh, is, is impressive. It is. Very it's very impressive. And I'm trying to think back to the, you know, to to, to old olden days, <laughs> back back in the day. Actually, Delight Morris was president when we came, mm -hmm. and we we saw him, um, and he would interact. He, he and his wife would walk evenings on campus, mm -hmm. um, and he would interact with the students, you know, at, at the time. Uh, but I, it's not somebody I knew, and I'm I'm I you know met or whatever coach kill i felt like we knew and 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 whatever else and there's been other you know other coaches and people as much through athletics um you know a, a dynamic person that i think that is uh still on campus and active now is matt mccarroll mm -hmm. with the um uh he he's oh they make Beer and they make wine. Oh, the, the fermentation science. Fermentation. Okay. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, and, and I, I was, know, thinking, I was like Matt McCarroll. Who is Matt? I was like, that sounds yeah, so familiar. Yeah, yeah. And it I met them. He and his wife when they first came, and um, and he, you know he's done so much with with that. And what I like, I think, is that it's collaborative. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of of you know things. Everybody not being in their own little. Bailiwick and just mm -hmm. concentrating on whatever, but ever you know, things that are working together because that's kind of what society does. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, not not everybody's into the the um, 
the cannabis uh, activity that's you know legal now and, and all yeah. of that fun stuff. But I've my my neighbor is is Buck Hales. Um, oh, I yes, he he too. Uh, you know, so so Buck's doing all that, but there's there's so much more activity around it. We've got we've got cultivation centers both to the north and the south of of town. We've got uh, you know actual retail activity in here. I, I know that uh, you know the city has continually looked at well, how can we. Uh, you know, create a, a public event around cannabis. And, and it's just interesting to see how there's there's this handshake between kind of the university and the community on this is something that, that we connect with. This is something that is the future, even though it may not have been as welcome years prior. But also you look at it and you go, oh, 1970s in Carbondale. I'm sure there was plenty of this stuff floating around. Then you know, too. I had I had, I had babies at the time, so <laughs> I can remember the 70s. <laughs> I want to remember, I, I was just trying to, racing in my mind, thinking of people that deserve mentioning. There's a, a, a woman that uh, worked for many, many, many years at SIU that I think was was – at, at the time, very underappreciated, and that's Charlotte West, Dr. Mm-hmm. West. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. I'm not offhand. But, but Charlotte West was uh, came to SIU. She was a huge uh, uh, Title IX advocate mm-hmm. um, and was hated by football coaches, by many of the men coaches, mm-hmm. because they felt like she was taking away from from the the men's sports Mm -hmm. she came here when when she came here i I think people today don't realize and i don't think i realized at the time even of how how far i mean you look at the end the 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 basketball playoffs now when the women have a weight to lift and the men have a full weight room and Mm -hmm. in the inequities hopefully everybody's heard about Mm -hmm. the women's meals were wrapped in cellophane and the men had these big spreads Mm -hmm. i mean that was just what two months ago yeah very, very real, very real. When Charlotte came to Illinois, basketball, girls in the high schools, girls' basketball was for recreation. And if girls played in a competition against another school, let's say if the Carbondale girls had pay, played a game against the Murfreesboro girls, mm-hmm. then their boys' teams were not able to play in, in the boys' tournament. They were penalized. Wait, it, say say that one more time. If the girls were... If the girls participated in a competition mm-hmm. other than in for fun, <laughs> the then boys the boys' penalized. teams were penalized. That's a that's depth what of Charlotte sexism that our generation doesn't quite understand. I, I understand that. And that's <laughs> they, they may not understand Title IX wow. and, and whatever else, but that's how, how, how inequitable it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I what I enjoy, what what I'm seeing on the on the on the back end of this conversation, Marsh, is is the the what challenge to a system has looked like over years. I think two things that you've touched on both uh, uh, was it Doctor West or just she is Doctor do- West. She still she still lives in Carbondale. She's she she's talk about competitive (laughs) (laughs) she's she still plays golf they goes to florida in the winters some um for for quite a bit of the winters but um no she still lives in carbondale and if you can talk her in she stopped giving presentations and whatever Uh but if you can talk her into a podcast 
Yeah. She will curl your hair. I, I think I think that's uh, that's one of the moves. My my thought had been, you know, well, what because re- really, and, and this is kind of the social networking aspect of, of the podcast of getting getting the right person on within one group of folks and then expanding into that group of folks from there. Um, and and I I had thought, well, I've got a good relationship with Diane Doherty or Doherty. I can't I can yeah. I'm awful with names. My pronunciation of names is, doesn't matter what they look. Well, like. Diane and Charlotte West was Diane one of Diane's mentors. Perfect. So, so I'm. I, you, you need to know about Dr. West. Dr. West was actually inducted into the WNBA Hall of Fame in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. With a granddaughter who's now um, just grad is a graduate now mm-hmm. of, of uh, with her with a, uh, her master's degree at from SIU, mm-hmm. but who has played basketball seriously for for years, um, and actually. Uh, had a full ride scholarship for basketball through through college, um, but she was probably a junior in, in in high school at the time. And she and I made the trip to Knoxville mm-hmm. to attend the the uh, induction ceremony of uh, of Dr. West. Um, Pat Summit happened to be there. Uh, if that's a name that in in women's sports that should ring ring a bell from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably her last public appearance. But anyway, so it's, it's, she is a big deal. She's in, the, uh, I think, the MVC Hall of Fame. She's in a, a lot, but around SIU, at least in the past, and particularly when she was active, um, she was vilified. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, right, this is part of the, because we see now, decades later what the result is of people standing up to an unjust system years ago and and i think that that your your work with the cea is another one of those things that is indicative of what progress looks like decades down the road because somebody stood up at one point and said no there's something that's not right about this here's what we're going to do to change it right and that is that is something that is that is just you know, town wide, there are so many people that have that that feeling uh, at in all generations at all points and times. And what what I kind of see in in Carbondale is that this is almost kind of that laboratory of activity. That this is I almost so. kind of that that practice uh, pad for uh, being able to challenge something that isn't right, not just here in this region, but around the country, right? Because I mean, just just talking about the 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 Rotary stuff. Uh, that you know, when when you talk about being one of the first women in, in a club, that was because of a Supreme Court ruling. Exactly, you'd, exactly. You'd the Supreme Court had to <clears throat> had to find that because it was a, basically a private club. Mm-hmm. That I'm not even sure what it, what it was, but whatever it was, <laughs> I think Rotary's <laughs> glad now. Mm-hmm. No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. You can't. You well, can't you know, just go ahead. Sorry. SIU was um, also one. Um, Bill Norwood was is a black man who was the um, uh, was a quarterback of the SIU football team back mm-hmm. in the day when many colleges didn't allow blacks. Mm-hmm. SIU was you know, and I'm not sure who's around that would could talk talk on that subject. I had but, Pepper Holder on for a two hour podcast at one point, okay, and I told I'm him sure that I have to revisit with him because he's a He's a stash of knowledge. And how about Milton McDaniel? Oh yeah, absolutely. Karina Milton, I've I've got to get them. Oh, you've got to get them. Oh yeah, absolutely, on. absolutely. That's a, that's a for sure. Oh, the, uh, my, they were. My, Zanetta ahead, was one of my fifth graders. Oh, what wonderful memories! Wonderful, wonderful people. 
Uh, and it's it's so funny to to see kind of just how these things all all connect it at some point, you know. Because I I go back and I look at this being being a generational resident of of Carbondale. So my my and this is probably where where you and Jim may or may not know some of these folks, right? So the I'm related to all the Bushes. Um, so Dean Bush is really yeah. So so Ma- Mackie Mackie is my great aunt Mackie. Her sister Donna is my great grandma Bush. Lived in the one room house right across from Carbondale New School. Okay. 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 Uh, and then her daughter Donna is my grandma, and Clyde Hunt, my grandpa, and trickles on down through through my current living family and so on and so forth. That my and my mother would be the same age as as your um, as your younger son, born in '62. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I, I don't I don't have a relationship with my family now, but I have you know this this carnal connection to this place just by virtue of having so much you know, live generational experience in here. So it's, it's just interesting to see how it all connects down the line. Cause I'm sure that, that there was plenty of crossover between Jim being right there on the corner of grand and, and wall and all of our trailer parks, I say our, they're not my trailer parks, but all the trailer yeah. parks being, you know, over off pleasant Hill and Warren road and what have you that have the Bush name on them. So. Right. Right. <laughs> we happen to be good, good, good friends with them, but, uh, so. but, I want to say one more thing. Milt yeah. McDaniel worked in a restaurant where he couldn't eat. I, I I feel like he's he's talked to me about that just a little bit in in passing when we've talked about other things. But that's that I mean that's just unreal, right? And and what what we've come so far from in this town, but where we still have so much to go in terms of of race relations and the issue of segregation and how uh, you know that still plays into uh, existence today but like these are these are important stories to tell it's it's these aren't things to be afraid to talk about just like no. the space that we're sitting in here um you know when it, when i did the the city council person uh very good I'll, I'll talk enough to give you the time to drink water that'll Thank work you. um you know when when i when i was doing city council interviews um you know, Ginger Ginger Rice Sanders, uh, now councilwoman, mm-hmm. uh, Ginger Rice Sanders, as of May 11th, when that comes through, um, the, uh, you know, it, it was it was at first a, an, an uncomfortable space for her to be in because she remembers this very specific space as a segregated space, as a place where, uh, you know, black people felt lesser because they were forced into this spot if they wanted to watch a movie and, and participate in entertainment. Um, and we can't... We can't just let an understanding of these these spaces and these issues just fade away because then what happens 50 years from now when there are new issues that are just rooted in the past from from 50 years ago now and we just we have to know where we came from to know where we're going to go and how to fix the problems that rise in the future. Um, yeah, I just I, I have a real I have a real just having grown up in in Carbondale and, and been exposed to to some of the less favorable components um, of you know of race relations in in Carbondale specifically is this microcosm of of race relations in uh, America. Uh, you know, I just I feel very I feel very passionate about it. I guess I should say. Um, so yeah, that's thank you for for kind of teeing up that idea because Mil- Milton and Kareen have have so much Great experience people. and such a story to tell about it. Absolutely. Uh, how did you How did you and Milton first meet? Do you remember what? I, I was Zanetta's fifth grade teacher. Okay. And uh, we met that way. And then Kareen was a member of Rotary Club at one point, And then she got involved enough in other things that, um, that she didn't come anymore. But 
we used to do a project, um, and Milton would be our Santa Claus, mm -hmm. and he is the best Santa Claus you have ever ever seen. Yeah. Of course, has a perfect disposition for it. <laughs> but and they've just they've just always been extremely good to me, and um, warm and inviting, and and you know when people are kind towards you, then it's kind of you just feel it back. Yeah. Yep. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's, no. I'm just glad that, that, that folks are still, are still here, right? Because they're, they're, the other side of it is, you know, so many people with so many talents and, and gifts and, and minds could have just picked up and gone somewhere else. It's very easy to leave from Carbondale, but it's also very difficult to leave from Carbondale, right? As you were talking about with, you know, we packed our stuff and we went mm -hmm. off, but then we were like, ah, oh, we got to come back. There's yeah. just a magnetism to this place. Uh, there, there, there really is. <laughs> there really is. I mean, the, the beauty of the, of the area and, uh, and just the, uh, you know, I, I, we used to say it's not totally true, but it, it is in a, a lot of ways. Even back when my kids were in school, um, we didn't really have to visit the world. The world came here. Um, and then, and there's not a kind of a person really that, uh, my, our kids didn't have to learn to, you know, live with, adjust to, you know, be friends with or whatever, whether it, it came to, you know, racial diversity, uh, cultural diversity, mm -hmm. you know, kids from all, you know, all over the, practically all over the world yeah. were in school with them. Um, and so they, it was just just a, a great a great place to raise kids it really really has been no I, I love so you just said something that I a phrase that I've used for some time and I, and I always say you know there's no way that I'm the first person to say this and I've got to find the origins of, of this idea but it you know to say that you know we didn't have to go to the world the world came to us yeah um, and that's just that's just so true of this place and you know people may say oh well there are college towns all over the country where you know there's there's a there's yeah. a broad swath of folks from from all walks of life and all over the world but it's it's different in Carbondale because of the closeness of everything that you know it, that might be true I hadn't thought about that um you know and and I don't you know that how how you know kind of tying this back into to real estate and the development of the town kind of plays into that that any one place in town is so physically accessible just by virtue of a 20-minute walk or a five-minute car ride um, has that kind of always been the, the case and the feeling of town that it's always been very easy to get around and from one place to the other? Or is that more of a recent phenomenon? Well, I can tell you, I can remember when we were first in town and in the, it would have been, uh, about when our, uh, when our younger son was, was born, my husband went all the way out to Arnold's market uh -huh. to buy um, uh, peaches were in, and I love, I love our local peaches. Uh -huh. And it was not, it was a shed at the time. It wasn't the mar, it wasn't the store that it had been, uh -huh. uh, or it, it was until recently. Uh, so for some reason, and we had a friend that lived out near the corner of Pleasant Hill and 51, mm -hmm. and it seemed like that was a long way away. <laughs> so it's interesting how we've lived south of town. We live south of Arnold's Market. We've lived out there since 71, mm -hmm. and that doesn't seem, doesn't seem very far at all any, anymore because the town has, has grown out so much. So when we came 
um, the houses that are on what we call behind Murdale. Yep, yep. That was all new. Um, and when we when we came, Lewis, um, not Lewis. Lincoln Thomas. No, no, Parish. no, no. I'm not thinking of schools. I'm oh. thinking of of. This is really funny. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. The no, the, okay. the street that goes in front of the rec center. Um, uh, Grand. I'm just, Grand. I just Grand. blank. I mean, Jim Stores. I mean, <laughs> it happens, the, yeah. because because Nukahala uh -huh. rents. That's that's how I've developed more of a relationship with William, or feel like I know him, is yeah. because, you know, they they moved a few years ago to that to the space that my husband rents and owns, or owns and rents out. But Grand Street stopped at Pinch. Really? It wasn't, no, it wasn't open. And there was a, you know, it really relieved traffic. Once it opened on up, mm -hmm. it really relieved traffic on, you know, on out. But no, it, for, for whatever reason, it stopped right there. Huh. So there wasn't Lewis Park. There wasn't, there was Park Street and all the mobile home parks. Mm -hmm. would, uh, would, park, would Park still not, not wall, but Lewis there, was there still a go around? Like you could drive up Park Street and kind of at the, uh, you know, crux of the hill, you could take a left and get back to um, kind of that, that little that, part. That town. has to be true, but I don't remember that being true. Okay. I just, it, well, and it's, it's interesting. Because there, I had right? a son that, you know, our older son went to Lewis School. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they've got old maps of the city, but I do know that Lewis was not complete there right past. That was a really good donut shop or pinches. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think about this in in terms of kind of what you know, just what I remember, you know, having having traversed as a as a as a kid growing up in the past thirty years, and and just kind of how that plays out. Because I'm sure Tommy Gleason would have owned a bunch of that <laughs> space, and I and I grew up so one of Tommy's daughters lived on Neil Lane, and, and I think it would have been possibly his mother's house before it was his his um, before it was his daughter's house and she lived just up the street from my aunt dorothy and and we the the my parents were able to build their house because aunt dorothy sold them five acres for a dollar in 1990 or whatever it would have been and it's just all these things connect and there's just such a story there and now now becky one of uh uh, uh one of tommy's uh daughters is just you know really you know really uh we're, we're well connected and, you know, trying to, she tries to help me get some folks on the podcast and some connected people. And it's like, cause they're all, there really is all of these stories just so interwoven with one another. And until you talk about them, not everybody kind of knows them or sees them. Well, Roxanne yeah. is, Ro well, Roxanne Conley, they started Arnold's Market. Uh-huh. So there's a, a tie back into that. Well, in his trailer park, cause I, I don't remember if, if what, if Tommy had named Roxanne for Roxanne, his daughter, or if he had named Roxanne for the trailer park? Yeah. Oh, I certainly hope he named the trailer park after his daughter. I I can't I can't remember <laughs> which which direction it, it went, but at some, at some point in time there was there was Tommy's work work on that one in a connection. But I yeah I just <laughs> and now and now I look at it now and and somebody like Curtis who is you know uh, yeah Rock, uh, Roxanne's son, son huh? grew up. Uh, playing baseball with with my with my cousin Justin and spent a lot of time around the house that I live in now that my grandpa built in '64 and 
da 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 da. I mean, it it all just seems to come full circle. It does. <laughs> it really it really does. Um, and that's actually that's it. That it's full okay. circle on the podcast episode okay. fifty seven. Good uh, with Marsha Sinnott. Uh, and as we say at the end of these, uh, have a good one, whatever that one may be. <laughs> <laughs>